0: you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from
1: Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor, and joining me as always on this beautiful Wednesday evening here in Northern California, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's the night going and how's Mushu? It's
2: raining here actually. (gasps) I don't know when the last time that happened in Sacramento.
1: Two Um, days ago. (laughs) You lie. Nope. Actually, my weather report right now, according to my Windows desktop, is saying rain to stop. So apparently it's coming back. We had three Little League games get rained out Mm -hmm. late last week, too. So Uh, Anyway, Mushu is doing great. <laughs>
2: I don't believe you that 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 rains up there in Sacramento. I, I need to see, I need to be out there and 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 feel it. So, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mushu is doing great. Uh, Mushu is adjusting to the fact that uh, my wife Mulan has had to go back to the office a couple of days a week. Uh, uh, Mulan works for Google and so uh, Google slash Fitbit, and so she has to go into the office uh, now a couple of days a week now. And so uh, since we adopted Mushu in February, uh, before, uh, uh, recently, uh, we had not left Mushu by herself for like maybe more than a couple hours at a time. And, uh, Mushu, like I mentioned before, uh, we adopted her. Uh, she was uh, eight years old when we adopted her, uh, had some life as a stray. We're not sure how long, uh, but definitely a lot of separation anxiety does not like it when she's uh, left home alone, uh, even though she's a big girl, but, uh, uh doesn't like it. And so anyway, she's had to adjust because of course uh Mulan goes back to the office and uh the sharks have to come back home. And so I had to go uh daddy's
1: gotta go to work. So yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have those indoor like ring cameras to watch her and make sure everything's yeah. okay? And she's like, Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. happening? Yeah. <laughs> we were
2: we're we're definitely ringed up. Uh but uh yeah, she's doing okay though. Uh yeah, she seems uh, pretty recovered. I think uh uh it looks yeah, she's jumping around, she's doing her her normal stuff. Uh we've taken her on uh not long hikes uh and she kind of needs it because she gained uh, definitely gained a couple of lbs in in her 2 month uh uh convalescence uh but uh she's doing uh doing better though and uh yeah, we'll start taking her uh certain team is going on vacation soon and so I so I'll have a lot more time uh, to uh, take her out on uh, some long walks. Shang is referring to the Las Vegas
1: Golden Knights. Yes, <laughs> of course. I Had to throw a little jab in there. But no, obviously the Sharks missing the playoffs. I'm sure Mushu will uh, enjoy that a little bit more. But Shang, on this week's episode of the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, obviously, yes, uh, we're going to bring the Mushu on, Hockey Now podcast. Yeah, the Mushu San Jose Hockey Now and Mushu podcast. <laughs> We talk we talk about dogs and a little bit of hockey here and <laughs> there. It's uh, allowed by Mushu, Yeah, Yes. <laughs> but about... on this week's episode, we're going to bring on George Richards of Florida Hockey Now, who is the definitive voice of all things Florida Panthers. And we're going to talk about Bob Bugner's tenure as head coach of the Florida Panthers and kind of allude to his future, well, not his future, but the present tenure with the Sharks. You know, why didn't things work out in Florida for Bob? And how is it connected to his murky future with the Sharks organization? Uh, Before that, though, we will dive into some recent news surrounding the Sharks' young prospects. We had uh, another goalie acquisition onto the the train of goaltenders. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this saw my tweet to JD of Locked on Sharks where we just have to make the Thanos meme where he's got the gauntlet and he's just adding the infinity stones. But it's the sharks and they're just adding goaltenders onto their infinity gauntlet here. I'm going to go super nerdy
2: here, actually. Yeah, uh, I just learned, uh, I forgot this. I've read this story, but uh, the DC villain uh, Darkseid has actually uh, held the Infinity Gauntlet before. And it was part of a Justice League uh, Avengers crossover that they had like 20 years ago or something like that. And again, I've read the comic, but it's been so long since, since I read it. And apparently, this is actually, I thought this was really cool. So Darkseid is holding the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, mm-hmm. uh in his whatever his uh, his palace whatever right uh the, the planet apocalypse right yeah. and he just throws it away and he throws it away because it's useless to him and why is it useless to him because the Finney Gauntlet doesn't work in the DC universe. It's just a bunch yeah. of just a bunch of jewels. <laughs> it's it's just a bunch of uh, just a bunch of yeah. It's a, just just a bunch of uh uh. It, I mean, not even valuable gemstones in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the DC universe. Anyway, uh, there's some kind of parallel to be drawn with that and Sharks goaltending and the guys they picked up over the last uh, decade or uh, anyway. I don't want to go on and.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the comic strip right now. He's like. This is a waste of my time. And I'm like, holy shit, Jonathan Marsh or so <laughs> made an appearance as Darkseid in DC Comics?
2: Well, all, all, all I'll say is that uh, the Sharks have not developed a, a goaltender in a long, long, long time, right? So uh, so yeah. hopefully uh, Strauss Straussman uh, works out. We'll talk a little bit about Strauss. They did talk with a angel scout who really liked the signing for the Sharks. And so we'll, we'll get to that.
1: Obviously, we always like to note the date, though, before we dive into this too deep. It is... 4:20, uh, 2022. So insert your uh your reggae horns there. But <laughs> it's 4:20 Wednesday, 4:20 of the year 2022, and let's just jump right into this. So the first bit of news we have here, Shang, uh, a couple of current sharks, not necessarily prospects, but sharks, Kevin LeBanc and Aiden Hill have been shut down for the rest of the season due to uh their injuries. Correct.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll take a, a pause. Aiden Hill wasn't officially shut down. Uh, Bob just said that he'd be shocked if he saw Aiden Hill uh, with the Sharks uh, <laughs> the rest of the season. I'm not sure why they don't take that step to just officially shut him down. Uh, but uh, Kevin LeBanc, after about a couple weeks of hemming and hawing on him, uh, Bob officially said, yeah, he's not coming back uh, for the rest of this year. Hill has definitely hit in a direction, and obviously with six games left, uh, that's probably uh, uh, going to be uh, what happens here. And, uh, yeah, uh, we've talked extensively about both of those guys. Uh, Just um, very disappointing that uh, neither could come back and make Mm -hmm. a case for themselves. You know, I know everyone talks about that. Let's just give up on the season so far as let's focus on the young players and let's focus on draft position. I understand that in the big picture. But I would have liked to have seen uh, what Kevin LeBanc could have done. I would like to have seen what Aiden Hill could have done because they both did not have the starts of the season that they wanted. Uh, But I think they're both talented players. And uh, I would guess that we will see Kevin LeBanc back. I don't think the Sharks have a choice. He makes too much money. Um, and he obviously uh, is a player of uh, little to no negative, possibly negative value right now uh, at, his, uh, at his ticket, $4.75 for the next two years. Yeah. Uh, Aiden Hill, uh, it's a good question. You know, we had Mike McKenna on a couple weeks ago. Uh, he believes that the Sharks will choose between Kakanen, Reimer, and Hill. We'll go with Reimer and Kakanen. Uh, but of course, uh, if they part with Hill, it's gonna be at a pretty severe loss because of course they traded a second round pick for Hill. They're definitely not getting that back for for Hill. Uh mm-hmm. they can get a lot less too. I've seen some people suggest, oh, maybe we'll get a third for Hill. I, I, I doubt it. Did you, you know, we'll see what he did uh this season. And also, too, did you see that he played one game in the last two months? No one's giving me a third round pick for this guy. Um, mm-hmm. so um we'll see. If uh, the Sharks do do go with that course and they just sort of bite the bullet and sort of uh uh admit the maybe the mistake made. Uh I don't wanna call it a mistake because Hill just had one year and I could see goaltending is odd. Definitely can see Aiden Hill going somewhere else and flourishing. Uh, but if that's what happens, um it's gonna be, like I said, at at a I think a very severe loss from a second round pick.
1: Yeah. And it's this year's second round pick. It's not like a mm-hmm. distant future second or anything like that. That's Again, an asset that the yep. Sharks would love to have in their arsenal for this year's upcoming draft. Next bit of news we have is on Eric Carlson. Correct? Yeah. Today,
2: uh, walking out of the bathroom today, uh, um, I saw Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Eric Carlson since the last the last game uh, I was live at was the Vancouver game, and uh, um, the last game of the road trip. I mean, uh, because I, I only traveled for the Vancouver game. And yeah. I saw Eric on the ice there. I don't think I saw him around. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't. We, we didn't do a availability with him. Uh, that's a game famously that uh, Logan uh, gave Eric and uh, other players a piece of his mind about a couple of things at the end of the game there. Uh, mm-hmm. But we haven't really spoken with with Eric uh, since. Uh, and yeah i actually didn't know he was at the facility so i walked out of the bathroom and there was eric carlson and he said hello to me and i said hi to him and he walked on (laughs) (laughs) he didn't he looked he looked he looked okay to me uh so uh, that's my that's my injury report but no seriously though uh, uh bob said that uh he's still day to day uh he wouldn't officially shut down eric carlson i asked him well Is he going to come back this season? And uh, Bob would not really say say either way. But obviously the tea leaves uh, indicate that he probably is done for the rest of the season. And maybe it's for the best. You know, Uh, I alluded to it in an article that I wrote for NBC uh, a few days ago about, you know, 11 things to watch for. Now the Sharks are officially out of the playoffs, which uh, just happened uh, with that Chicago loss a few days ago. Uh, And with Eric, it, it was stay healthy. This was actually before the day the, the, they, they pulled him, uh, he got hurt. I was a stay, stay healthy. <laughs> yep. And um, so hopefully he's not too banged up. He can go into this off season and train, train in full and be ready for next season. Because we have seen with Eric, uh, to be honest, that he's a guy that uh, plays better when there's more to play for. Um, and well, just like he did early early in the season, uh, when he started off uh, gangbusters, uh, twenty six points in his first thirty three games, eight goals in those thirty three games. Uh, that's Eric Carlson that, that you want to see, uh, hopefully, for more of uh, a next season. And yeah. you want to give him that runway to 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 get there. Um, so if he's playing a little hurt or possibly aggravating things uh, in the last few games or here, or so there's you know no point obviously in putting him out there. And so. Yeah, uh, so hopefully uh, uh, hopefully he's uh, uh, walking the hallway uh, uh, away from the bathroom meeting me uh, and, and uh, into the runway uh, for next season. So
1: <laughs> I can see the article now. So there I am, <clears throat> leaving the bathroom, and I see Eric Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're going to shift from one EK to another. That's right. You thought we were done this season. Well, you <laughs> thought wrong. The NHL Players Association had their grievance meeting with the San Jose Sharks regarding terminating Evander Kane's contract. Um, No real details, obviously, are going to come out. Just that we know that a second meeting is going to take place and it's to be scheduled at a later date. So this is a meeting with an arbitrator. Now, I want to bring up something that a lot of people seem to be tweeting out about this. Is the Mike Richards thing. Mm-hmm. That happened before the Mike Richards and LA King settlement happened before they even went to a meeting. So I think the chances of a settlement happening right now are very, very small. If not, I'm not small. sure
2: about that. Actually, um, I have a source. I asked about that specifically, mm-hmm. and I was told that it's still possible, um, okay. basically until the uh, the arbitrator's decision. And uh, I I need to double double back on that to make sure um mm. but my first indication from the source is that it's it's possible until the art the arbitrator renders uh, his decision and we don't know when that'll be i was told that that would be a, a few you know be a while be a few weeks i wasn't yeah. really given a specific timeline and actually yeah. i was told this before um before we knew that that they even needed a second meeting and so i think already uh Already, there is a sense that this is not going to be a quick and easy process, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, I, I will I will double check on that. I think if there's that confusion out there, my my belief is that that a settlement can can still happen. Uh, if not, and I think you were going to get to this, uh, uh, it is uh, sort of a, uh, a complete win or a complete loss for either party here. So either uh, the Sharks owe Evander Kane twenty two point nine million. Uh, or the sharks owe him nothing. Uh, the arbitrator mm-hmm. isn't deciding on anything else but that. Arbitrator isn't going to settle it for them or find an in between figure. The arbitrator is there to be the uh, the the rule in the, favor, of one right? The rule or the in other. favor, I I complete favor either way. And so that's why a settlement we have argued uh, for months uh, 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 makes sense. And um, I think it is it is it is still it is still uh, possible. So. Okay. Uh well, like I like said when I asked about it uh, I wasn't ruled out to me it was I wasn't said like oh no it's uh it has to be done before so um and let's keep in mind too the Mike Richards situation I mentioned this before um it was an unprecedented situation in the NHL and really hasn't been repeated since so there's no, it's not like it's the rule book there is no rule book for this yeah. uh with the Mike Richards thing they kind of made made it up as they went along teams w- were kicking and screaming about it but uh, they you know, they, 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 were okay with it as long as it wasn't uh, going to be a precedent for anything uh, like this, like Evander Kane here. Um, mm-hmm. That's something else I'm checking up on too, if teams have any issue with a settlement, if that is what happens. Um, I haven't really heard anything uh, uh, significant on that front that teams have any major issue with that, but I don't know that for a fact. I haven't checked uh, hard enough on that specific uh,
1: point. All right. Well, it's good to know, and who knows what sort of impact this arbitration hearing and this ruling can affect on the, the GM search that's going on. Maybe little, maybe not much, but I'm sure that's something in the back of the mind of the candidates that are coming forth, the candidates that are reaching out to, that they kind of have back there. Like They know that this is going on in the background because it's going to impact the Sharks if it gets favored if the arbitrator rules in favor of Evander Kane and they give right. him that money, that money goes on the books. He's right, 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 right. Obviously, so, Jim would like
2: to know if he owes uh, a player not on a team <laughs> $7 million yeah. for next two years. Exactly. So <laughs> or no, Three years, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But moving on to more positive news, Shang, on the, the <laughs> forefront of the Sharks. Strauss Mann. Kind of a left field signing that we alluded to earlier. Strauss Mann signing a one-year deal with the Sharks. believe it was undrafted, right?
2: Yep, uh, undrafted, uh, unsigned uh, for Maitota because of his size. Uh, But if you think about it, maybe it's not that surprising insofar as going into this season, right? Who is the Sharks' Mm -hmm. presumed number three goaltender?
1: Presumed number three goaltender? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, basically the starter, the Barracuda starter going into the season. I believe that was what, Sawchenko?
1: No, it was a Melnichuk. Oh, Melnichuk. Right. right.
2: And uh, Melnichuk obviously did not work out the season, was traded to, the Tampa, to Tampa Bay Lightning uh, mm-hmm. at, the, at the trade deadline. Uh, he did not live up to the fanfare uh, that, uh, that came with him uh, when he uh, joined the Sharks last year. Um, so anyway, if you look at the Sharks going to next year, you assume that they're going to clear up the three-starter issue that they have right now, and one of those guys will not be there because you're not sending any of these guys to the minor leagues. Um, so then, uh, who is your number three? And yeah, maybe it's Sachenko, but if we look at the, the tea leaves and how the the Sharks sat Sachenko through James Reimer's uh, 13 starts, uh, I don't think Zach Sachenko is high, high on their death chart. I mean, we're just being honest here. I know that he's a well-liked figure, and he played well for the Sharks when he was up here, so there's no doubt yeah. about any of that stuff. But um, if you look at just again, uh, how, how the organization has used them just doesn't seem like he is high, high up there, right? Yeah. And so they are missing uh, a number three that they trust. And you also want a number three that generally you want a number three. And if it's the AHL, you want a younger guy too, right? That has a chance to to develop too. And so a guy like Straussman really fits that spot on the death chart. And what that means for Satchenko, I'm not really sure, because you have Zachary Amon there too. Uh, But I could... You know, Sachenko could could come back there too and be your number four, and that feels pretty good then. Because if uh, Strauss man can live up to his hype and be better than Melnichuk and put up good numbers with the Barracuda and look like maybe he can challenge for an NHL uh, spot, a backup spot at least one day, and then you have a number four in Sachenko that has NHL experience and has played well in the, in, in in that brief uh, time in the NHL, then you start to feel. You know, pretty good about your depth chart one through four instead of what happened right um hill goes down there's really nobody that you trust behind Reimer Melnichuk is not very really good with the Barracuda you're not going to play him at all uh Sochenko has outplayed Melnichuk but Sochenko has zero experience you don't trust him to start either and so you basically have nobody uh behind uh, uh behind a Reimer and so with the Strauss man, uh, hopefully that's not the case. And uh, like I alluded to earlier, too, I spoke with the uh, amateur scout for another NHL organization. Uh, loves the signing. Uh, oh, actually cited, uh, yeah, a scout who likes something that the Sharks oh, did. Hot <laughs> damn. They don't, they don't hate everything the Sharks
1: do. Turn in the page. That's it. Sign Joe Will. Let's go. <laughs> He's the new GM.
2: But uh, cited uh, getting the cough, uh Mika Kiprasov. Vesa uh, Toskala, not saying that Straussman is is any one of those guys, but the reason why he brought those guys up is that Straussman is six foot. Nabokov, Kiprasov, and Toskala were all about six foot or under. I think Nabokov was listed exact six foot, Kiprasov 6'1", Toskala 5'10". These are all undersized goalies in today's NHL. Um, mm-hmm. Just not a lot of guys out there that are 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 under six six foot two. And so anyway, uh, the scout loved this signing as sort of a callback to uh, the old style of Sharks goaltender, which was a goaltender with great hockey sense and good feet, and did not prior and the Sharks did not prioritize size and net. Uh, we're talking, you know. 20 years ago but yeah. uh, but still he he liked it, that signing just for that reason because those are things that Straussman has good feet uh, good instincts you know good hockey sense a number of things that I uh, mentioned in my uh, TV appearance yesterday at NBC Sharks, but also I put in an article uh, titled Scout loves uh, Strauss man signing yeah I mentioned a, a lot a lot of those uh, a lot of those points and he sees uh, an angel future for Strauss man maybe more of a backup. But he really loves Strauss Mann's uh, compete. Uh, Strauss Mann captained the Michigan hockey team, I think the first goaltender in 78 years to captain uh, the University of Michigan hockey team. And so he has those intangibles working for him too. Just a guy that you don't bet against no matter how – quote-unquote small he is right six foot obviously i'm five eight you know so yeah. <laughs> well who am i to call somebody six foot small uh but uh for angel goaltender that is small these days um but Straussman is not somebody that at least this scout would bet against
1: yeah luckily i can call him small but um <laughs> <laughs> one of us here can but um yeah i mean if the sharks I mean, you want a dog, right? You want a dog in net. Get a dog. Get a guy who's got fire. Yeah, who competitor, can right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you don't want you don't want uh, mayonnaise in net. You know, <laughs> you do not want something bland. And it's like, oh, he made the save. It's like, okay, here, there.
2: Yeah, yeah and I don't think the sharks right. want. I mean, to be honest, I don't think they want Sachenko as the number three in our organization. There's mm-hmm. not quite enough enough uh, uh, trust there. I think a uh, big picture.
1: Yeah, and like uh, like JD said. Everyone kept talking about you know, we had stagnation in net for a long time with Martin Jones and a lot of uncertainty. And the Sharks have acquired a plethora of goaltenders in the last twelve months, and uh, you know keep swinging. Well, I would
2: say though, uh, to you know, I would correct that 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 point though. The Sharks have drafted a, you know a fair, not very high, but they've drafted a lot of goaltenders. I think over the last whatever. uh yeah couple of decades it just really haven't haven't panned out since maybe the last one that really panned out was grice um mm-hmm. but it's not like the sharks haven't haven't tried through you know they signed melnotruc too right so that was another stab yeah. too uh just just things haven't quite quite uh, panned out oh, let's not forget they have a Krona in the pipeline too forgot about him for a second uh, but yeah and then they um,
1: drafted ben, ben so Goudreau, yeah. That that's all these guys i mean we're going on five six different guys over in the last 12 month period dating back to last year's draft that They've really put a big focus on net. It seems so. Keep taking your shots. You're bound to hit one. I hope. Fuck. Like, <laughs> Maybe one of the Finney stones will work in this universe. So right. You're like come on. You just keep snapping. Come on. He like, just the other the other realm is just like what's happening. He's just making people. Maybe one of the stones
2: here. is uh, compatible to the to this universe. So
1: we'll figure it out.
2: <laughs> Backwards compatible. So
1: another bit of nice news or. What I saw is nice news, nice refreshment there, nice glass of water after being parched from this season. Thomas Bordalo's play with the Sharks, three uh, C Tommy B as I like to call him. Uh, a lot of people wanted him on the second line with Couture because of the uh, just the lack of depth of wingers that the Sharks mm-hmm. have, along with Barabanov's uh, injury. You know they wanted.
2: Oh, they wanted you know, you have... a, a Bordalo at wing.
1: Yeah, people wanted oh, okay. to see. Hey, let's get him up there with a the guy. Get mm-hmm. him up there with the captain, and then sure. if you know one of them gets kicked out, you can you know have him take, uh, take those draws and you know play out that those more meaningful minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the decision to put him at at center. That's what he. That's where he's comfortable. Um, he's. That's where they ultimately want to see him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you have guys like uh, yeah, of course you know, well, he had Rudolph Spalcers and. God, well, I am blanking Greger. right now. Yeah, Noah Gregor, my yeah, favorite how could player. I? How could I? <laughs> Shangers about this. The just official kill me San Jose right Hockey now. Yeah, <laughs> the patron saint
2: of San Jose Hockey now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I liked, I liked that combo. Rudolphs Balsers is very, very good on the forecheck. Noah Gregor is very good on the forecheck and very good defensively. Why not have a guy like set up Maestro Thomas Bortolo feed them passes, and lo and behold, a slick pass, albeit. Maybe a little lucky, but at the same time, it's a hell of a fucking pass to Rudolph Balzers there on the side. It slot. was, it was, and he definitely
2: so, planned it. You can see his head looking up uh, straight mm-hmm. at Balzers as he as uh, was trying to claim the the, the puck. And uh, Bob Bunger made a pretty good point about that line insofar as Gregor and Balzers are north south skaters. That's those players at their best. Uh, they're skating. Uh, uh, they're fat, both fast players, Gregor, Gregor especially, yeah. but they're not, you know, going to zigzag you, right? They're going to go straight and fast. That's their game. They just they don't have uh, that that capacity to to zigzag. That's okay, because guess who can zigzag and play east west? That's Thomas Portolo. And mm-hmm. so it has been a good mix of, of styles there. Uh, I have I have enjoyed that. Um, but I will say though, I'm going to be the the Debbie Downer here as I usually am. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I'm here, guys. Um, I was not as impressed by Bortolo's play in the second game. I wrote about that earlier today in an article titled uh, "What does it mean to make? Uh, what does it mean to play right, or something like that?" Yeah, <laughs> see, we know that hockey cliche, right? Play the right way. What does it mean to play the right way? And uh, I, I liked uh, Thomas's game more in the first game. I don't want to give away the whole article, but I, I saw a lot of things uh, also in my game notes for. Uh, that that Columbus win uh, just things that are very very uh, uh, you can clean up with relative ease uh, if you're if you're Thomas Bortle a player of his uh, high hockey intelligence which I don't I don't question at all um, so if he does that then it, he's going to be perfectly fine uh, but I also do not uh, would not uh, pencil him in into your lineup if you want to make or if you want to build a team that you're fairly sure will make the playoffs next year I just you. You'd, it's hard to do that, too, um, unless the the rookie blows blows you away. And uh, mm-hmm. Bortolo has made flash plays that have been super impressive, such as that pass to Balzers. But there's a lot of the routine plays that I have questions about, um, and I wrote about that in the game notes, where um, there's plays he, he makes that, uh, to me, are a little kind of I, – I know what he's trying to do, but they're just not plays that he should be trying in my in my opinion, so they're a little head scratching uh, uh that way and mm-hmm. uh it kind of reminds me a little bit of of a uh, of a of uh, ryan Merkley at at times where it's like you know that's you know like a oh, Willie Mecklin, when he was here, he made his share of turn, of of turnovers for sure, but they were plays that were within kind of in most part the I saw were within the sharks structure and they just were plays that uh that that Eklund needed to 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 sniff out or figure out that the other team had sniffed out like passes from off the wall to the middle that's exactly how the sharks want want to break out usually but if yeah. the other team has sniffed it out you can't do that that stationary wall pass up to the speed in the up the middle coming out of the defensive zone you, you can't if the if if the other team is you know the stick is right there and Eklund yeah. did that a few times too many because he was doing what the sharks basically wanted but um he just wasn't reading that that the other team had kind of you know uh, figured out what was going on and so he needed to do something different there um, Bortolo is trying some creative stuff in the defensive zone that is not the place to do that. And, and, and my, maybe I have too uh, uncreative a view of, of, of hockey. <laughs> um, actually, Bugner, you know, I, I know uh, we're going to talk about Bob a lot in this episode, and Bob uh, had a higher view, was more complimentary of a Bortolo's game uh, yesterday than I, I actually thought he would be, and, and more so than I thought. Um, I also spoke with, with a scout uh, who, uh, who watched the game, and he also uh, I'll put it this way. Um the question that I texted this scout was uh true or false? <laughs> uh Borlo was just okay tonight. And he 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 agreed he agreed with with with, with my assessment he called Borlo's overall game average overall. Mm -hmm. which uh, some people were not happy about in my comment section and whatnot. And hey, more power to you guys. Uh, But that's just, that's just what, what, what we saw there. Um, So uh, anyway, uh, it's just, I don't want to over, over, over dramatize. Just the second game. And uh, if we look at just that, he's played four uh, games uh, so far, including the two with the Barracuda. Uh, I've seen three of them and the talent is obvious. The hockey sense is obvious uh it is uh it is a definitely a pro level there's no question about that and it might well be he can step in with just the hockey sense part uh Mm -hmm. NHL level kind of like uh we saw with William Eklund a little bit even though uh Williams might be even higher because yeah but anyway that's a whole nother uh story but both of those guys they have NHL level I would say hockey sense already but like with William, I think uh, Thomas will need this summer, obviously, uh, work on the, the the body part of it. It's nothing to do. Look, Thomas Bortles five nine. He's not going to grow any any taller, of course. But can he get stronger? Can he learn to protect pucks a little more? Just those little little physical areas where he can be a little better, and buy himself maybe an extra split second, extra second, and make that play he wants. That'll make him such uh, that much better of a player. And so anyway, so I don't I don't want it to come off as uh, I'm uh, being negative about him, just being in my no. mind, realistic about what I see from him. I think that he is a very, very talented player, but he is uh, also a very unfinished product. And to treat him as such as he's finished, that he can step in and be the Sharks third line center next year or second line or or whatever is, I think, I think unless he really goes off the charts uh, the rest of the season or this summer would be a a, a terrible mistake uh, by, by the Sharks just to force that kind of responsibility on a 20, 21-year-old.
1: Allow me to provide context for everyone that's getting outraged right now. I can, I can hear you all. I can hear the steam coming out of your ears. He was drafted two years ago. Two years ago. He played NCAA hockey. I'm not going to Take a dump on NCAA hockey. It's very, very well prepped to get into the NHL. He stepped into an NHL game and he played a very important role on a team that's struggling to fill this role a 3C. He made a great pass to a a middle six winger who took a great shot and he played well enough to continue to. To, to log his ice time, yeah, no, I mean, trips. he made other good plays too. So, like, again, you know, if you look at
2: my the game notes that I've done for both of uh Borderlos Angel games, obviously, I've kept a, uh, a particular eye on him because he's so uh, he's so hyped now. He's the big Sharks prospect here right now. So, obviously, he, I've watched him very closely and uh, I've seen a lot of good plays, good quiet plays. I've seen also quiet plays, not so good. And anytime with any of these players, if you wonder, you know, what my whatever uh, uh, a rubric is to judge these guys. Right. It's always just and I've said this before, Ryan Merkley uh, with Eric Carlson, with Brent Burns. How many good plays do they make to that bad play, that turnover that that's going to happen because they're creative and they have the puck a lot. Right. That's okay. You know, I I am not. I, I, I love creativity. I want guys to be creative. I'm not trying to stamp that out of Bordelo's game or Merkley's game or Burns or Carl, et cetera, et cetera, right? But how many good plays the bad plays? Is this guy a net positive player at the end of the night for me? And with Bordelo, it's not quite a strong net positive yet. Um, but on the hand, though, again, he is just 20. and So that's why I don't want to make too big a deal uh, about it. But other though, I run a, a website where I need to write three, four stories a day. And we have a weekly podcast, so I got to talk about some things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, to me, it's just a guy stepped into the greatest hockey league on the planet at that young of an age. Played well enough to get credit from guys like Drew Remenda and Brett Hedekin to say that it doesn't seem as though the game is too fast for him. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. And I'm not arguing or, like, saying he played above average. I think he did play average. But I think it's a good thing that a guy can come in at that age, coming fresh off the Frozen Four loss, a guy who's called himself bulletproof, to come in and play in the NHL and not let it get to him too much to where it seems like every shift he's three steps behind. I feel yeah. like that shows oh, that's just his that's maturity. Point. Yeah. And... Uh, Bob mentioned it too, every on-the-fly bit of learning that he was kind of giving Thomas when he's coming to the bench, he already knew what the mistake was. So he's he's a very teachable player, and that's all you can ask for right now from Thomas, is for him to go out there and not be overwhelmed and to be able to be taught. Mm Mm-hmm. You got six games left in the season. No one's expecting this guy to go out there and, oh, he scored a fucking hat trick in his third game. Oh, my God. No, anyone that expects that is ridiculous. Like, please go somewhere else with those expectations. But you should expect, if you can expect him to come into the lineup at 3C, take meaningful face-offs, play an average game, and do what he's continued to do and not be overwhelmed by the game, that's a hell of a debut for a guy. It is. So. It is. To our other Sharks draft picks, coming into the San Jose Barracuda, we have two players that were called up. I believe the OHL season is done. So, Daniil Gustian made his San Jose Barracuda and Pro Hockey debut uh, with the Barracuda tonight alongside Gannon Pebble Laroque. Laroque. Pebble is his nickname. He loves that nickname. Uh, And hat tip to Liz for that nickname. Awesome, awesome stuff there. Now, uh, again, I have to give a quick shout-out to JD for breaking the news on Gannon. Uh, coming over to the Barracuda, he broke that out on Twitter. That was great to see. Great job, JD. Keep it up, man. You're Liz and insider. JD
2: running circles around me they're breaking news yeah. last week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, speaking of Liz, make sure you check out, if you want to know more about Gannon, a.k.a. Pebble, and just how much of a catalyst and rock Pun intended. He's been for the Victoria Royals. Uh, she's got a great in-depth article on Area Fifty-One Sports Network where she does a very extensive feature on Gannon. So, yeah, and let me jump
2: there. in there too. Uh, Liz is uh, scheduled to speak with uh, Danyo Gushin, and so she should have a nice story about him and his uh, pro debut coming soon. Also at San Jose Hockey
1: Now. Exactly. So uh, all all the baby shark do do to do to do content is coming out. So.
2: What else do we have to, uh, to live for these days,
1: Nick? Nothing. And as a father, (laughs) that's all you do is baby shark. Do, do, (laughs) do, (laughs) do, So before we hop into the interview with, uh, with George, a Florida hockey now to talk about Bob's tenure, we wanted to kind of talk a little, just a smidge about kind of the future for Bob. And this is just something I wanted to bring up here, not get too deep into it. Um, I fully expected Bob to, even with the 7-game losing streak and the 10-game losing streak that they just had, I fully expected him to, in the event that Doug Wilson was still the general manager, uh, be the head coach next season. I had my doubts throughout the season, but just seeing how the guys are continuing to compete, how the young guys respond to him, and just from what I've seen, as much as people might hate his methods... Um he seems to get a lot of respect from the players. We talk about this with George later as well. Um, so I fully expected them to kind of run at least one more season with him. Since Doug Wilson has stepped down, that's gotten a lot more murky for me. It's a lot more cloudy. Um, we see a lot of times where the GMs want to come in and as a part of like the deal, they want to hand pick their own head coach. To teach people now that could be a good thing for the Sharks could be a bad thing for the Sharks for them to go through another huge system change um, especially with them finally getting more adapted to the Bugner system yeah albeit not generating a ton of offense um, but finally seeming to understand how to play that system that Bob likes that defense system Um, Shang what do you what are you thinking do you think it's Are you just as skeptical as I am on this, where it's like, you know what, now that this has kind of happened, I can't say whether or not I'm kind of like, it's a 50-50, leaning one way or another. What do you think?
2: Uh, I I think it's, if I were to guess at this point, and uh, I agree, uh, if Doug Wilson was still the GM, I think that Bob would be the coach. If Joe Will uh, becomes the Sharks' GM, I think that Bob gets another year. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they are going to bring in a different person. And uh, if you think about the job or the what the Sharks have to offer to a GM, um, you got to try to win now with a roster that, frankly, most people in the in, uh, around the industry think that uh, you should be rebuilding or starting the rebuild in some way. And you shouldn't be thinking about winning now with this core. Uh, that's the industry consensus. I, 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 there's no other way to, to, to put that. And so this job is really, in some ways, not that attractive. Uh,
1: not at all, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I mean, it's attractive because it's a GM job. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a plum job in that sense. And, hey, yeah. you know what? You have an owner that's going to be willing to spend the cap. That's great, right? You, so it's not like you're the Arizona Coyotes or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it is not the ideal. It's going to be a lot of pressure, basically, that you got to build a winner out of uh, whatever this 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 roster, this kind of Frankenstein construction of a roster is right. And so if you want to attract a candidate, um, you know, what are the non-negotiables here? Right. Non-negotiables are you can't rebuild. Um, and so you have to keep most of these players. Right. Uh, if you do trade one of these players, it has to be for the sake of making the team immediately better. So, if you trade a Brett Burns, then uh, something's got to be coming back where uh, you can argue, well, this makes our team better uh, next season or really soon or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, you're not just trading Brett Burns for a fourth round pick or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so 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 basically, you really gotta you you really gotta uh, 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 walk a tightrope here and one place that you can uh, you can improve a team with is maybe through your coaching to get that coach. And again, I have been a, uh, a firm defender of Bob overall. I think he's done a good job, you know, maybe not a great job, uh, but who was going to come in and do a great job with his roster. I really do not know. I couldn't tell you a coach. That I thought, I think could come in and do a lot different with this roster. You can throw me the Bruce Boudreaux or the John Coopers or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this team, especially once it got it got hurt and stuff like that, it's just not not a good team, not a deep team, right? The very top heavy uh, at best. With everybody healthy and both goaltenders going, you know, maybe they get to ninety points and they are you know in the playoff race the last week of the season, and maybe they just squeak in. That was the best you can hope for for this team, I think. And through half of the season, Bob got them pretty much to to that point until guys started getting hurt, um, things things that things like that. Um, anyway, though,
1: mm.
2: so we go. Let's go back to the non negotiables, right? So the team's got to try to win. Is Bob's job non negotiable? Uh, if you're presenting this job to a prospective GM, I, I doubt it. Um, I think that the Sharks recognize what the position they put Bob on. Uh, in with the roster and that he's done a pretty good job all things considered uh i do think that that's that's sort of the internal uh internal thought but uh is that going to be kind of whoever you bring in whoever you bring in probably gonna want to bring in his his guy uh his coach or her or well, her coach. Yeah. Well, that, that uh, I think I, we're seeing an angel GM, uh, 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 his, her, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's going to happen. I don't know about, a uh, 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 she behind a bench, uh, very, very soon though. Well, I was saying, uh,
1: her <laughs> as the GM.
2: Oh yeah. 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 No, so, you know, but I was talking about a coach though. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely adapted with, with, with how, how I'm saying it, uh, uh, there, uh the, I'm just going he or there. she, no, no, just he or she, uh, whoever yeah. the GM is, because I, I do think that's, that's possible. Uh, I'm not sure about with the sharks here, uh, but very, very soon, obviously, uh, in the NHL, uh, I I feel
1: like that head coach pick, like if you're bringing in mm -hmm. someone else than Bob, it's gotta be something like completely fresh because you're not going to get much more with the recycled head coaches of the NHL world. Right. No,
2: I I disagree with that. I mean, whoever they're gonna bring in is just gonna bring in their person, whoever it is. It could be a recycled guy. I I I really don't 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 know about that part of it. Like, I guess, are you suggesting that it's gonna be like some like? like no, what I'm uh, saying
1: is you're not gonna get a much mm-hmm. different product on the ice, in my opinion, from a recycled guy. Maybe you do. Maybe you get a guy like, uh, you know, I'll just throw the name out there. Like, if if Boudreaux was still on the market, right? Mm-hmm oh i want to bring in bruce Boudreaux. and it's like oh the team plays so much better because it's more complementary to their their strengths yeah that's a possibility but like i feel like with how the sharks are approaching the gm search maybe they want to just from what i'm seeing they they go unconventional you're probably going to get a more unconventional head coach as well maybe throw a real wrench into it maybe oh not.
2: um yeah maybe i mean i don't know i i i i, I we we'll tend to think that they're not going that direction because I, I, feel, like they, 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 I, I feel like they're looking more for somebody that will, uh, I don't know, based on some things we know, uh, John mm-hmm. Ferguson Jr. is a guy of interest. Uh, they offered Jeff Gorton a job over the summer, not necessarily a GM position, but yeah. I feel like they're looking for, for a guy that has experience, that um, just has been in that seat before. Obviously, you mentioned the public-facing part. Um, so I feel like that's, I would guess that's more the, I just is a guess, I would guess that's more the direction they go in instead of something unconventional, um, uh, and which rewrite, you know, could lead to an un- unconventional head coaching choice too, which wouldn't be Bob. Uh, uh, but I don't think that I would guess that's not the direction that's going in. Um, don't know that for, for a fact. I just want uh,
1: something exciting to cheer for, Shane.
2: Well, that might be the case. You know what? And honestly, <laughs> you know, if you, if you're trying to do something creative with this with the Sharks roster, then uh, maybe you need a creative GM. Uh, you know, maybe the the, the problem with, with Doug or other other or a lot of the conventional GM choices is that they see the Sharks' position, uh, those where the Sharks are with the salary cap, all these contracts. Uh, most people I talk to, you know, they see it as really not a winning situation. And you don't want a guy with that attitude, right? You want a guy who's creative, can do, and be like, "Yeah, I can figure this out. I can, you know, MacGyver my way, you know, with, yeah. with this roster and, t- and turn it into something." You, you want that kind of can do, um, and so that could be someone unconventional that that sells them on that that he or she is the person that has a, has the plan for that to find the pieces to fit around your uh, pre existing but declining stars. Um, so you need yeah. to
1: get someone that can really. Bill Belichick scheme the fuck out of this team into winning.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's so, so, so I'm not going to rule out what you're suggesting about a a less conventional candidate. Just sort of my, my guess that that's not where, where, where it goes. But anyway, regardless though, either way, uh, whatever candidate you get though, uh, a selling point, look, even if they're coaching, whoever that, the GM, let's say it's John Ferguson jr. And his, his, uh, his, his big coach, I don't know who he has a good relationship with, but I'm just making it up. Let's say it's Paul Maurice, just making that up. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know if uh, Paul Maurice and John Ferguson Jr. Have much of a relationship. Um, but let's just say it's dad. Right. And mm. so is this the, 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 out of the box creative, uh, 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 you know, uh, GM coach pair? No, that's, it's not right. Will your results be any different? We really, I really don't know if they're going to be any, any different with, with uh with uh with the Maurice uh, even with with his with his experience right, but mm-hmm. if you're the GM that's coming to this job, if you're gonna go down and you're gonna be put into this sort of uh uh 300 like position right, yeah. <laughs> just, ba- just basically you know maybe no win position or very hard to to see yourself uh, winning situation right. You want to go down with your guy at least. You don't want to go yeah. down with 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 the guy that was sort of uh just there right, and you may like him and you may think he's done he has done a good job, but uh, you still want to go down with 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 your guy? Um, yeah. so that's that's it's I think more understandable. More, yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I'm leaning more toward. I I I'm leaning more toward. I don't think that that Bob is back. I could be wrong. I think at very best uh, he may get another year to prove to whoever's coming in that uh some of the positive gains that were made this year. And the fact that that the team still is playing hard, all those kind of things can be converted into actual wins. If there's a better team uh, uh, surrounding uh, the or, or, you know, on the roster, a better a better depth and, and whatnot. And so. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I think that's a at best situation for Bob that he gets that that one year to, to prove it. But uh, I am leaning toward that he is uh, is not is, is not back. Um, just because again, I think that the new GM, um, in the type position that he or she will be in to, to make this team a winner, uh, it's just not an attractive job. Uh, if, uh, if, if you can't even hire or
1: fire your own coach. Yeah. And that's an understandable take. It's not a hot take in my opinion. That's a more, uh, logical approach to how, I mean, you don't even have to think of like a GM in the NHL. You can just think of like any sort of high level management position sure. where you can bring someone else in you're going to bring in people uh, that you're familiar with people that you trust people that you know will have your back and will do things the way that or maybe that you have a rapport with you know and it it, it makes sense so
2: especially if if you're being put in this very tough position too right Yeah. of, yeah. of trying trying and, try and, and, understatement right
1: right trying trying trying
2: to win with with this uh, this roster and immediately yeah. Um, so you're going to want your, your, your people in there, especially, uh, so this is a fixer upper of a team and
1: yeah. it needs a lot of work.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah, I, it might, I think, yeah. it might,
1: it might be unfortunate that Bob could be a victim of circumstance. Yeah. Once again, again. <laughs> and, and, and we say once again, because as you're going to hear here in a couple minutes with our interview with George, uh, bob fell victim to circumstance in florida so shang you know unless you we have anything else more to say let's uh i'm ready to hop right into that interview with george right now
2: yep sounds good
1: but before we get into that interview with george quick thank you to our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook Hockey fans feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. And right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, don't fret. You can still hit the ice for some cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. It's simple. You draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie, rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. The easiest way to do this is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older only restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. Here's our interview with George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. And joining us this week is the definitive voice of the Florida Panthers. He spent almost 30 years at the Miami Herald and has covered the Florida Panthers since 2004. Here to talk all things Bob Bugner with us from Florida Hockey Now is george richards george how's the evening going over there on the east coast
0: oh all is well it's a uh, beautiful night here in south florida how
1: you doing Uh you know it's another always hot yet always cold day up in northern <laughs> california <Shane's laughs> well that's so on what better. part of it
2: yeah i'm in san francisco uh, nick is in uh, sacramento so i have the better end of the deal there i think yeah <laughs> we either get it's nice
0: nice and cool all the time, or it's hot as heck even at night. So, Yep.
1: <laughs> you mind get the support. better weather, but I get the better housing market. So That's true. That's we'll, true. I'll get, I'll get my W where I can.
2: Hey, you know, there's a reason why the housing market is so— uh... It's a big W. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, George, yeah, so uh, we have you on here because uh, you were there. I believe you were at The Athletic at the time uh, covering the entirety of Bob Boogner's uh, run uh, with the Florida Panthers. And Bob is uh, sort of in a tough place now because— Because uh, it's been uh, three years under Bob, and the San Jose Sharks will have missed the playoffs in all three of those years. Of course, there's been extenuating circumstances. Year one uh, was an interim year, and uh, it was cut short by COVID. Uh, Last year was a 56-game season uh, because of COVID, and this year is going to be bob's uh, first full year as the sharks head coach but regardless though results are results he's three years out of the playoffs it's the first time in franchise history that the sharks have missed the playoffs in three straight years and i think the biggest uh, domino uh biggest uh th- thing that will affect bob's future is the fact that doug wilson stepped down as sharks gm uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. And Doug, of course, brought a uh, hire to uh, Bob a couple of years ago. And I think you can see if Doug Wilson stayed on that, maybe Bob will get another year, uh, another year to sort of, um, figure it out because other extending, extenuating circumstances with the Sharks is obviously they have not had a very good team. They haven't been very deep. They haven't added a lot in free agency. And you would think that with their resigning of Tomas hurdle, that they're going to kind of up their, uh, up, up you know, up their effort to be competitive and sure. um, Bob Boogner uh, in theory should uh, should reap the benefits of that or at least get a year to kind of prove himself under a kind of a reinvigorated uh, franchise direction uh, but uh, that may not happen though because of course when a new GM comes in uh, oftentimes that's the number one thing that a GM can control his or her coach and so that could be uh, Bob Boogner here so uh, but the reason why I wanted to have you on though before I guess the Sharks kind of make their decision on their GM and, of course, ultimately on Bob Bugner's future is to talk about Bob and Florida. And here in San Jose, we hear a lot about, well, you know, Bob Bugner couldn't take the Florida Panthers. Look at the Florida Panthers now. They have 55 wins right now. They have uh, Bob had Barkoff. He had Huberto. He had Ekblad. He had all those players. and He couldn't do anything with them. And so I wanted to talk with somebody who was there during those uh, years in Florida to really see, Uh, how much that makes sense, how much, you know, uh, you can put it on Bob that that Panthers team with some of those star players uh, couldn't really, uh, uh, didn't really go anywhere. And sort of want to go chronological with this. So will just start with sort of uh, how it started uh, in in Florida with Bob. And the first year they started off slow, uh, but then they went on a 25 and nine to run down the stretch. They finished with 96 points uh missed the playoffs by one point and so you know things are looking good at this point obviously uh, for the panthers and for bob bookner because the year before that was the famous uh gerard gallant uh taxi cab <laughs> year and that panthers team uh finished a uh, well in this down in standings their points percentage was below 500 i believe and anyway uh one of the things I wonder is, uh, do you think that Bob Bugner's fate is different in Florida if they make the the playoffs that, that year?
0: Well, listen, I wasn't there that year. That was hmm. the year I'd gone to the Columbus to, to cover ah, the, okay. the Blue Jackets for the dispatch. But I was there when he was hired, and I do remember, you know, I, I, was, I did talk to a lot of people on that team. Um, that year, yes, they did get off to a really slow start. They had some injury issues. Um, and and yeah, you can say they had Sasha Barkov, they had they had Aaron Eckblad, but and they had Jonathan Huberdeau. But those players weren't as I I don't know, they were still going through some growing pains. And this is obviously a much different Florida Panther team Mm -hmm. than Bob Bugner had in either of his first two seasons. Um, that that the way the Panthers finished his first year in 2017 18 was, was unbelievable, they were the talk of hockey. Um, that Panther team for a while just couldn't lose and they were just really good. They were, that was the year that you had the the, the shooting in Parkland, which is near and dear to the Panthers, that, that, that high school, uh, Stoneman Douglas High School, right near the night, right near their practice facility and it seemed to like energize the team it brought them together um they made a real run at that playoff like you said they missed it by a point it really wasn't that close because they played they had a couple postponed games that they mm. played they were already eliminated by them but they won them regardless um the second year he was there so i i, I don't know if, he, if they make the playoffs there does it save him i know you want to talk about a lot of stuff but the simple fact is no joel quinville was available that's the mm. only reason why bob budner lost his job here I, I i was told by numerous people within the organization had joel quinville not been available in 2019 bob bugner would would have would have continued to be the coach would he have stayed there i don't know because the panthers hit some rough patches under q in his first year but that's getting ahead of ourselves so long 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 answer to a short question. I don't know if it would have saved them just making the playoffs.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, it's good uh so during the 2018-19 season, you the second Bob's second year, you you yeah. were there, right? And that's the season I want to focus on because that's really where things go wrong uh in Florida. Yeah. And um during that uh, off-season there was uh, you know, because of how uh how hot they finished the previous season, um People expected big things from this Panthers team. They were expected to make the playoffs. Obviously, they had a lot of young, great players that are uh, are great players now that we've already mentioned. They also mm-hmm. added a Mike Hoffman to that team, and so you have the Barkov, and we didn't mention Trocheck. Vincent Trocek was on that team too, mm-hmm. and. So you have so much promise on that, on that team. And just, uh, you know, before we get to some of the details, because I think one of the details of what happens to that team is that Joe Quenville uh, got fired from Chicago in November 2018, that same season. And so I think from that moment on, there was a whispers kind of attaching him to Dale Talon and to Florida. And so that probably couldn't have been easy to deal with. But um, just the overall uh, perspective of that season, though, what, you know, what did you see uh, transpire happen in that season?
0: Well, it was a, it was a weird season for the Panthers. Uh, yes, there was a lot of a lot of talk about this team taking that next step based on how they finished the year. But uh, one of the big problems was in net. Roberto Luongo and James Reimer weren't very good. Um, they both also they got hurt uh, a little bit there in the season. Michael Hutchinson actually played in some games early in the year. Never a good sign. Yeah, never a good sign. <laughs> Hutch was brought in. Um, Yeah, he lasted a couple weeks. I think he got in a handful of starts. They brought in Sam Montembeau toward the end. It was just a team that they were very offensive. I mean, there was no nobody could argue that the Panthers were boring they were a very offensive team Uh, that's the year that Sasha Barkovs uh he breaks Pavel Bure's Mm -hmm. scoring record with 96 points Jonathan Huberto um has a strong end to his year and 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 comes within four points of that he gets 92 points um but after that you kind of had my my, you know Mike Hoffman who you know all he does is score um you know he wasn't he you know talk about him being a one-dimensional player Mm -hmm. but You know, he didn't really come into his own defensively until the next season. But neither here nor there, Um, it it was just a weird season. The Panthers really never put together a whole lot of winning streaks. Um, They they always seem to get weird injuries, and 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 again, goaltending. Was the big thing to where the Panthers in December were already talking about Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, that's how bad the goaltending was in the first couple months. I don't think there was a whole lot of blame um, being put on on, on onto uh, onto Bob Buebner. Um, I think he had a lot of respect from the players and everything like that. He had good veterans in the mm. room, but that was this. This is a shell of the, of the team the Panthers have now. I mean, that's just being truthful this Panther team would beat that Panther team six to
1: two.
0: <laughs> I mean, every night.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of, of that, uh, goaltending, you know, one of the things we talk about when you don't get the results from goaltending, well, is that the goaltending or is that the defense in front of you? And, uh, Bob Wigner's, uh, results in Florida in his first year in Florida, the team was 18th in goals against. So, you know, a little below average, uh, the second year they were terrible. They were 28th, uh, in the league and, uh, goals against, and those results have sort of followed Bob to in, in San Jose and have not had a very good uh, defensive team, at least in terms of just goals against, right? Yeah. And, of course, uh, in San Jose, we can say – I mean, I've watched it for the last three years. The personnel just isn't very good. So, so it's hard to put that on Bob. But uh, yeah. still, though, again, though these results uh, – uh, the question is, is Bob Boogner not a strong defensive coach, or do you think that's more personnel? Because we talk about Mike Hoffman. We talk about uh, Yando, right? These are not good defensive players, so.
0: Yeah. The Panthers had a lot of guys that turned over the puck right in front of the net. I mean,
2: time after time, after time, Keith Yandel, Mike
0: Matheson, um, you know, you had rookies playing big minutes and Hendrik Borgstrom, um, you know, these are names you guys don't even care about, but I mean, the Panthers just, you know, they, they, they weren't a very good defensive team, but that's kind of what the Panthers wanted to be. That was mm-hmm. before Bob Bugner got there. Um, you know, they wanted to be a puck moving team. Um, but they also thought that they were going to be able to keep the puck out of the net better than they did. And they just didn't. Um, and again, I, I listen, I, th- I think there was a lot of respect in the room for, for Bob Bugner. Um I I just, you know, I I I honestly think that if if Joel Quinville wasn't wasn't available and the or the Panthers couldn't come to an agreement with him, they paid a lot of money to get Joel Quinville, and I believe Bubner had another year left on his contract. Uh, He was kind of left out of the dark on that. Uh, We talked to him a couple days before the season ended, and he was talking about you know having a coaches meeting. When are we going to get going on the offseason stuff? And I'm like looking around like. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know if i can write that um but but we just didn't know if the panthers were going to be able to pull the trigger because there were a couple teams interested in joel quinville and oh, yeah. up until then the panthers really um no offense to anyone had always gone cheap when it came to coaches mm. I and mean, that's, that's why a lot you know, of young coaches right yeah, yeah gerard gallant you know came in he didn't Peter DeBoer a long time coach, ago but yeah. pete the had was a junior coach yep um, when he came in so listen to put all this blame for what's going on you did yeah you, know, you just preface it by saying that the san jose sharks haven't made the postseason in three straight years since boogner has been there but he took over it you know he took over in a bad situation when they fired pete uh then you had the covid thing the, the last year was just a goofball year um you know there were a lot of disappointing teams out there but if you you watch the sharks day in day out i mean What's there? I mean, maybe they've got some young players and things of that sort. Um, but th- this team just doesn't look ready for prime time. I don't think anybody was saying San Jose is going to challenge in the Pacific this year. Um, you could talk about recent results, and I get that. The, the, you know, you look at that losing streak that they just got out of. That's tough to stomach at the end of the year, especially when you're talking about a new general manager. Um, You're talking about a coach who has been there three years, so you could say he's run out of time, you know. Um, But that schedule wasn't exactly easy. I'm just looking at it as a guy from the outside. Um, San Jose, that was a bear of a schedule. Save for that loss at Arizona, which it's Arizona. You shouldn't lose that one. But then you've got everybody else as a playoff team. Or fighting for a playoff spot. So, you know, that's kind of tough to deal with when you're in your team using as many young players as San Jose is.
2: I'm just kind of imagining that press conference, though, a couple of days before uh, Bob is fired in Florida. And I don't know if it's sort of like a shades of uh, uh, the – I'm going to give you a basketball reference here, but uh, Stan Van Gundy and Dwight Howard coming over to to hug Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> well, I remember that very <laughs> I well. I just imagine I thought... yeah, Viola coming over and giving Bob a hug right there. I was like –
0: yeah, there was none of that. There was there was no uh, there was no awkward hug from uh, Jeff Van Viola, um, but uh, <laughs> Van Gundy what a what a what a pride! I love that guy. Um, that was funny. I mean that that was a funny reference. Good for you, um, Stan Van Gundy, not Jeff. Yeah, um, it was just but we because again it wasn't official. Um, it really wasn't official till during his final game. I mean, that night I found out, all right, they got a deal. Mm. Um, it it wasn't signed anything of that sort, but he, you know, he was coaching his last game with the Panthers and they had already come to an agreement with, and and, you know, that's kind of done dirty, but you know, when you have the opportunity to bring in a hall of fame coach, um, I even think, I even think Bob was like, you know, whatever, but I remember having a conversation. And, 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 Bob pointed out, um, I guess we could say this, but you know, he said it in the media room with some other people in the room. I mean, you look at the defense, you, we just, it just came into my head. You talked about the defense that the Panthers had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not good that year. It was not good. I'm just now remembering how bad it was. I mean, you had three guys, <laughs> three guys in the top six who by the time Bob was an assistant coach with Pete DeBoer were out of the NHL. Mm-hmm. Those were three of your top six. Defense. Oh, you mean
2: like, like three months later when, when, when yeah. Bob was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think
0: Bob and Pete come to town
2: in December. Oh, um, sure. 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 I know what you mean. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Okay, yeah. A few and, months and, later, okay. He's
0: like, look at who we, and we're like, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. That guy that gave away for an eight, you know, six round pick and, you know, 32 cents. You know, so it wasn't a very good and especially that the top guys just turned the puck over way too much. I mean, it was
2: bad. sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, just I mean, my God, it, it was just and, and that that carried over to Joel Quinville, too. That was a problem mm. um, for Joel his first year here. Um, but that's what happens sometimes. So, um, listen, I, I know I know uh, Bob Boogner did had his detractors here. Outside the, you know, fans, he didn't win enough here. You know, fans are always like that. But I think from inside the organization, there was no, no bad feelings about him. Everybody liked him, thought he did a good job. And, you know, the, the team in hindsight really wasn't very good. It just wasn't. There were a lot, a lot of holes in that. Yeah. In that pan, those Panther teams that he coached.
2: So basically, from your saying, uh, from what you just said, George, is that uh, the Panthers' blue line was so bad in that second year of Boogner's uh, tenure that you you blocked it out. You just remember, remember it now, and you had a flashback. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah, I just remember him
0: <laughs> right. And we were talking about well, what do you think about the Panthers? He's like, well, I wish I would have had some of those defenses. Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, actually, though, uh, speaking of sort of uh, uh, the acts that that Bob was under uh, in those last, uh, I think, couple months in Florida with all the rumors about Joe Quenvo, at least just tracking back on some of the stories that I read, that basically the last couple of months, the rumors were very hot and heavy out there that Quenvo was coming. And uh, there's, a I think, a story that you wrote uh, in The Athletic at the time that uh, Bob just sort of said, like, yeah, you know, I wish that things had been different and end there. And just sort of referencing just that this was over his head, especially in those last couple of months. Is that accurate to say that basically you mentioned that you knew you know the last the last game of the season that Bob was done. You knew before Bob did, uh, so if you knew before Bob did, uh, then I'm sure for a couple of months, you know, it was out there or already. It wasn't like it was a surprise that, or at least that Bob
0: that Bob alluded that led on too. Yeah,
2: okay, fair enough. Yeah, but still mm-hmm. though, I mean, just can you describe what. what just how tough that might have been for him? Did he show any kind of signs of that stress, or just you know what was it like uh, in uh, around the, the the Panthers in those couple months when you sort of knew that Bob was sort of lame duck coach in a way?
0: Yeah, I don't think he was ever a lame duck coach, and that, mm. uh, he never acted that way. He he was great to deal with. But again, the players, the players when they found out Sun the next uh, their last game was a Saturday night. They played the New Jersey Devils. They lost in overtime. Big shock, um, because they're yeah, you know, obviously they weren't yeah. You know, anyway, they lose in overtime <laughs> Saturday night, and then Sunday it breaks. I break the story that the Quinville's coming to town, and the play the, the all the Panther players are playing, and. From what I was told by a number of players, there was pretty much shock that it had gone down. They could not believe that the Panthers had hired Joel Quinville. So you got to remember that the Panthers never had a history of this. Mm -hmm. So to just say, well, the Panthers want Joel Quinville, they're getting Joel Quinville. They'd never spent money on a coach before. And this was obviously a $6 million a year investment in a coach. Um, So there were no guarantees that this was going to happen. I think Philadelphia had interest in Quinville
2: um so oh yeah was, i think that was the big team that was yeah it was stew, never yeah, right? a done deal yeah. until it was
0: a done deal and, and i and there were always rumors and i think you know in private bob would say yeah if you're gonna if you got a chance at Bitq, q i guess uh, you know it's gonna cost me my job but whatever um it was hard to argue that trade, sure. right you're gonna trade bob bugner for joel Quinville, the guy's right a, right a, a right. three-time champion instant hall of fame or you're going to make, especially knowing that the ties that Quinville had to Dale Talon and, you know, to the Panthers. So, um yeah, he never let if, if he knew he never let on. How's that? If okay. he knew he never let on, because, again, I, I in fact, I believe that conversation about what was going to happen happened in the morning skate that day. Mm. That was the yeah. conversation was, well, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to get to it, you know. Monday morning, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about training camp and we're going to talk about, you know, what we're going to change with practices and all that stuff. That was the day he got, you know, basically that the Panthers agreed with Joel Quinville.
2: Well, my, my experience with Bob is also that he has been uh, great to deal with. And um, the players seem to play hard for him. Yeah, um, they do. The Panthers yeah, I play mean, hard for him. I mean, he's a yeah. people
0: person. People dig Bob Boogner. He's a good man.
2: Yeah, I guess I would ask you then, uh, you know, your experience in Florida, what did you see in terms of just players playing hard for him or just things that they may have said when he left or things that they said after he left? Just uh, uh, did anything stand out there in terms of just how uh, he related to uh, whichever player uh, uh, on the Panthers roster? They liked his honesty.
0: They thought he was honest with them. If they weren't playing right, he spoke to him like a man. He's a former player. He understood um, what guys were going through. Um, he ran, you know, I wouldn't say great practices, um, you know, because then when you see Joel Quinville, you know, get so much done within 20 minutes, you know, that could just be a difference in style. Um, but players did like him players did. And again, they respected, they knew he played the game and not that long ago either. Um, so you know, I, I think I thought he did a, a pretty good job with what he had. Again, the goaltending was terrible. The defense wasn't very good. Um, the Panthers scored a lot of goals and, and that still didn't bail him out.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one narrative that's out there these days is obviously we see the Panthers now and they have Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, and they're one of the they may be the best team in the NHL. Um, and obviously, uh, Bob didn't win with them, but. It seemed, though, at least from the outside looking in, that Bob got a lot out of these players, these young players, maybe not uh, as much as coaches have recently. But, of course, like you mentioned, uh, uh, these players were much younger uh, in 2017-18, 2018-19, but it seemed like he got a lot out of them. Uh, Correct me if I'm uh, wrong about any of these guys.
0: Yeah, I thought so. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just looking at the roster from his last year. There are four players left from that team on this team. And it's the players you would suspect. Sure, it, the big it's ones. It's Barkov, right? Huberdeau, Ekblad, and uh, McKenzie Weger. Mm-hmm. That's all that's left from that team, and from Joel Quinville's first team. I think there's only six players left. So the Panthers completely changed, um, changed up the roster. Um, yeah, talking about young players. I mean, there are players on that you know that were young that we haven't heard anything from. I mean, aside from like Josh Brown, who went to Ottawa, and I, I think he's 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 moved somewhere else. Um, there wasn't a whole lot, you know, the Panthers were sellers at the trade deadline. Um, you know, they traded away, uh, they traded away a lot of, a lot of players at the deadline to create cap space for the free agent frenzy in 2019. So sure. he was also hampered with that. Um, but again, you know, it, it, you know, so they did play a lot more young players down the stretch guys that came up from AHL Springfield. But, uh, you know, Michael Haley, you know, he plays 24 games for the – I mean – it, it wasn't a very good Florida Panther team, and it's hard to compare that one to this one. I mean, sure, just, sure, just sure. Really, aside from the uniforms in the arena,
2: <laughs> and four uh, players, right? Yeah, uh, but <laughs> yeah, just just remind uh, uh, everybody listening to the summer of 2019 was, of course, uh, Bob was fired by then, and that's when the Panthers will sign a uh, uh, Bombrowski and Strawman and a couple other uh, uh, Connelly, Mol-Jari, yeah, uh, Chari, right? Uh, and Connelly, so, yeah. yep. So it looks like those two years of a Boogner, a Florida team. But hold on real quick. I mean, they, sure. were,
0: they, they were clearing space to get Bobrovsky and Panarin.
2: That was the goal. Oh, right, right. Of course, yeah, I remember. It, yeah, they yeah. wanted Panarin too.
0: Yeah, they were trying. They thought that they were going to be able to get Bobrovsky and Panarin as a package deal. And it, that
2: didn't. It, it seems, though, that those two Florida teams, though, um, and maybe it's supposed to seem familiar to Sharks fans too. Uh, those, those two Florida teams that Bob coached, they looked, to me like top heavy teams with not a lot of depth and is that yeah. a fair description sure. of, of both those teams yeah. yeah
0: absolutely yeah absolutely especially at the end of the year when you lose uh you lose uh, uh nick uh bugstad you lose jared mccann uh they brought in riley sheehan they ended up keeping him um they traded yeah you know, they brought in derek brassard traded him at the deadline. So um, it was a lot of mixing and matching in that lineup and a lot of young defensemen again, coming in and out of the lineup. Um, It was just, it was just, uh, you know, they just, they weren't very good from the beginning and they didn't really get any better. I mean, I think a lot of people we kept, I remember one of the big storylines was, well, if they're going to do what they did last year, they better do it, start doing it now. Because, Again, they got off to a slow start the year before, made that really nice run at the end from the All-Star break Mm -hmm. basically on, um, and they just didn't have the firepower to do it this time.
2: And you know,
1: George, Bob gets a lot of flack, albeit from fans, for his usage involving younger players and -and up-and-coming players, such as, you know, for the Sharks, Ryan Merkley, (coughs) Kevin LeBanc, and how he kind of handled Timo Meyer last year as well. He... Tends to like most coaches lean more on veteran players and have a, a bit of a shorter leash for those younger players. Is this something that you noticed? He also did with his young guys in Florida. Um, there
0: were some young players who who just weren't ready, and you could tell. Um, there's a couple guys on you know that, that that were sent back to the minors that that left Yuho Lamico. Um, he ended up coming back from Finland and, and play, he, he got traded to, to, to Vancouver and he's playing big minutes there. Um, uh, Maxim Mammon was sent to the minors in December of that year and ended up going back to the KHL. He returned to the Panthers this year. Um, so I, 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 I don't, you know, he wasn't bad with young players. I mean, a lot of times he didn't have much of a choice, right? Mm. I mean, he, he kept Barkov and Huberdo together. Um, and then he was kind of mixing and matching once, once McCann and, 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 and Bukestad left in January. So, um, he didn't have much of a choice, but to play young players. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. That might sound familiar to sharks fans. Uh, you know, uh, Barkoff, Hubert all together. I mean, it's they're not as good, but uh, Bugner has used Hurdle and Meyer a lot together this season because maybe there isn't really much choice to create offense. And I was reading, uh, you know, in preparation for his interview, uh, George, I was reading uh, uh, one article that somebody wrote um, after Bob was fired and complaining about Bob's usage of young players like Henrik Borgström and Dennis Malgin. But then I thought about it, like, where are those guys now? <laughs>
0: yeah no listen maybe those guys just weren't that good (laughs) i thought he gave henry borgstrom a real shot i mean henry borgstrom these are the most nhl games he played were that year he was playing third line center um and then you know he he actually got a lot of play it looked like he was never going back to the minors um and then when he did he just basically quit on the team but um no henry borgstrom played 50 games as a 19 year old i think it was and, and was getting good minutes and um I, I really liked Henrik Borgstrom. I thought he played very well that season for the Panthers. Um, you know, then they didn't, he didn't make the team the next year, went into a funk when he went to to Springfield and, you know, never came back to the Panthers. Long, that's a really long story. But Dennis Mulligan, um, Dennis Mulligan wasn't really happy with his, with the way he was being played, but he wasn't happy with the way he was being played after that either. So, um <laughs> Yeah, You know, there you are. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people. Yeah, there was a lot of stock on those two guys down here at the time. And, Mm. you know, I think maybe, you know, maybe they weren't all that everybody thought they were.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess just sort of to to summarize, I have a couple more questions after this. Because going back uh,
0: to your veteran question, he did use Troy Brower a lot. (laughs) <laughs> <Gotcha>.
1: too much <laughs>
0: no i don't think so i mean he's playing fourth line but he did get a lot of minutes so. yeah yeah you yeah. know i mean there's guys like michael haley there, we know that right
2: know. <laughs> well he's that's a, a peter DeBoer guy too so <laughs> i remember when uh florida waved haley and san jose picked him up and you you would have thought that uh the sharks had traded brent burns for a seventh round draft pick you know <laughs> yeah i think that
0: was that was that was definitely a uh, phone call deal wasn't it <laughs> yeah. We're putting you on waivers, but we got a place for you. Yeah, we got That's a place where, for you. where? <laughs> <laughs> You're going back.
2: So I guess to 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 uh summarize though, uh, you know, what were some of the the pluses of the Bugner era that you might kind of credit to to Bob? And what were some of the negatives of, of that time that you might say that you know Bob was behind also?
0: Well, I, I think he the, the special teams were pretty good. I mean, he was able to he was able to find a place for for Keith Yandel uh quarterbacking the power play which which you know, which Bob started that um here in Florida. I mean, Right. I it, saw
2: that the Panthers power play in uh, his second year. Uh, yeah. was the second best in a league right yeah it was
0: very good and and that was because they moved they moved Yandel over to the to the quarterback spot uh a, a spot that he held i guess for the next two you know three years after that uh up until last year uh again up, up yeah you know, even, yeah, if you if, if if Yandel was playing, he was the quarterback of the, the power play. So until he was scratched in the playoffs, that 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 came to an end, but um, so that he was, you know, he I, I, I thought he had good matchups. I mean, he couldn't help the goaltending though. Um, you know, that turned out to be Roberto Luongo's final year. Um, again, you, you, you had James Reimer didn't have a very good year, and then he got hurt at the end. Um, so you were playing a lot of uh, Sam Montembeau who's now in, in Montreal, but that was his first kick at the can in the NHL. Very, you know, very raw goalie. Um, and I think that's just where the Panthers were looking at. They were like, this team, um, can be improved with some additions, but goaltending was their number one priority going into the off season. hence why they made the trades to to get the money for Bob, for Mm -hmm. Sergei Bobrovsky.
2: And, uh, was reading uh, uh, something that Elliot Friedman wrote uh, after uh, uh, Bob was fired in Florida, and it lines up with what you said. That uh, the an uh, executive that that uh, that Elliot talked to said that Bob was caught up in circumstances, and this was more about the coach that they got than the coaches that they had. And uh, it's something that uh, I think Dale Talon said was that uh, Quenville was a transformative coach, which. You wouldn't say that, you know, you may say Bob Boeckner is a good head coach, but you know, Bob bogner hasn't won a Stanley cup. You, well, no one would argue that he's a transformative NHL coach. And so I guess it, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the end, you know, it just goes to like you said that it was just because they could get this guy that they saw as a transformative guy. Right. Uh, as opposed to.
0: Honestly, I don't think that Bob got gets fired. Mm-hmm. If, if if it's, if, if Joel Quinville doesn't come to the Panthers, if Joel Quinville signs with Philadelphia, um, the Panthers would have gone into 2019 20 with Bob as the coach, and I don't think he would have survived if the, if the Panthers would have played the way they did. Um, the next year, under Joel Quinville, the team sure. I don't think won a home game in the entire month of March. Um, and they were desperate. That's when they that's when they trade Vincent Trochak, they were trying to salvage you know the season. Mm. Um, if that would have happened under Bob Bugner in year three. He probably would have been gone, but who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have happened. I, 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 you know, that's obviously really guessing on things, but um yeah, I think he would have started the season as the coach. Yeah,
2: because and it's who worth- else?
0: Who else was out there?
2: I mean, who else was mm-hmm. out
0: there? It was it was Joel Quinville, or you know,
2: like if it wasn't a special guy, like you said, if it wasn't the guy, they weren't just gonna get uh you know kind of uh, uh just trade 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 uh, deck chairs on the titanic or whatever right right That's right, right. Yeah. They, yeah. they were
0: they were they were happy with with especially with the way they ended the season the year before mm-hmm. um I, I think they were taking a flyer um on his second year as in we get it we didn't give you a whole lot of help on the back right. end the, the goaltending wasn't very good but it was also a part of the bad defensive play um which, you know, they looked at in the off season. I mean, they, you know, they brought in Anton Stroman to be the number three D man. And, you know, that was, that was a good move for at the time, but, right. you know, Anton Stroman really would have helped Bob Bugner.
2: <laughs> And it, sure. It's worth noting too, right. That uh, um, Bugner's, uh points percentage in his first year was 585. Uh, and the second year was 524. And, Again, a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, uh, Bob Bugner is, isn't, uh, uh, couldn't get anything out of this Panthers team. Um, the team that was closest to Bugner's Pan- Panthers teams were obviously the first year under uh, Quentinville. Uh, but even after the big addi- additions, uh, Bombroski and Strawman, all those guys, the point percentage under Quentinville going into that, you know, COVID-shortened, uh, you know, the, the playoff bubble was
0: 565. Yeah. Um, listen. Uh, it wasn't just Bob Mugner. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Panthers were a flawed bunch. Um, and even Joel Quinville, you know, magically couldn't correct them. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, he, you know, he benched Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, a month into his tenure, you know, so the gold, the the magic bullet of the goaltender and the coach that didn't work either, at least not initially. It, It took some rerouting of the entire, uh, of the entire roster, which Mm. is what Bill Zito did, you know, in 2020.
1: And, you know, George, uh, Bob kind of finds himself in another situation here in San Jose where he might become a victim of circumstances. Absolutely. absolutely. You you have a, the Sharks coming in with, you know, their long tenured, 19 years, Doug Wilson, right? He's been the guy here for so long. Uh, Do you see, do you personally see that happening? Do you think Bob still deserves another shot here at the helm being, you know, like we talked about before, you had an interim year, you had a COVID-56 game wackadoo year, you know, could they view this also? Because as, as many people know, and as Shane got a lovely quote earlier in the year, uh, they're trying to make Bob turn chicken shit into chicken salad uh, from, from one <laughs> coach, so... Do you think Bob gets that shot again, or is he still going to end up another victim of circumstance here?
0: See, I don't know. I, I don't know the dynamics around San Jose. I don't know who yeah. they would be looking at. Um, who do you replace him with? Is, yeah. is is who you replace him with better than what you've got? Do you want to? Does a new general manager just want to start fresh? Does the new general manager have a buddy? Um, you know does he have a John Cooper type buddy that he grew up with you know what i mean you know yeah. like Pete DeBoer and Joe and and you know John Cooper were you know knew all that you know that i'm talking about we yeah. we i don't know
2: yeah a um, lot of relationships do
0: definitely. i blame what's happened in San Jose the last two and a half seasons on Bob Boomer? absolutely not no no i mean i don't think you can I, you, when you look at that roster and you see the team um the only thing is, he picked the wrong time to have what whatever it was. What was that? A Ten game losing streak they just came out of.
1: Yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. Game losing streak. The timing is, yeah. for
0: sure. Bad, bad timing on that, right? I mean, but again, uh, well, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, and and, and I, I haven't followed the team that closely. Uh, but just looking at the teams they played, you know, they all had something to play for, uh, much bigger than getting some film and looking for position next year, that kind of thing, which is where San Jose is right now.
2: Yeah. One question I, I uh, didn't uh, get to, forgot to get to that I just wanted to check up on. Uh, it's really important anytime a coach and his relationship with his star players. And so uh, is there anything you can say about uh, Bob's relationship with uh, Barkov, uh, Huberto, Ekblad, you know, all the, the big names uh, uh, for the Panthers then that, you know, are still around now?
0: Well, Barkov wouldn't say anything bad about anybody anyway, mm. so I I, I never <laughs> even asked him. Mm. Uh, I did talk to Aaron Eckblad about Bob Bugner. He, he liked him a lot. Um, he really thought he was a smart guy. He, again, respected the way he treated the players. Um, you know, um, he was very understanding. You know, if you needed a day off or whatever, he was, you know, he he wasn't a bag skate type of guy if you lost 6-1 to one to Montreal, that kind of thing, so... Um the 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 players, yeah, and Jonathan Huberto liked them too. So I, I haven't heard of it really, aside from some, you know, the know it all fans down here, um, who didn't like <laughs> Joel Quinville either and, and don't like Andrew Burnett, other than that, I I, I really haven't heard anything negative about about uh,
1: about Boop.
2: Well, uh, dang it, Georgia, we had you on. Just I, know, pull up I know. Some some of the <laughs> like, honestly, I, you know, some know of the skeletons. Went... Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. Uh, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't real well liked in Columbus, but I think that's because he didn't like Columbus. That was one of those things, uh, if I recall right. But
2: why well, uh... are we talking about uh, a bot?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess Bob was in in Columbus and wasn't a big fan of the city, and uh, that, that that was pretty apparent. So
1: it's Ohio, man. Can we really blame Bob? Well, I, 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 I don't, actually don't. Was was
2: Bob an assistant in in, in I uh, think I think
0: he actually wasn't. Didn't he get a head coach? Didn't he wasn't he an interim coach there? Oh, are you
2: mixing that with uh, Gallant? Because Gallant was no, Gallant, no Gallant liked
0: really like
2: that. Uh, oh, actually, okay. I don't think Bob was – just got to look back. But he I, was, he, I
0: think he was an assistant there. Yeah, I think he was an assistant. Oh,
1: okay, okay, okay. But, George, I think it, <laughs> it doubled down in San Jose as far as players loving Bob. Uh, when he was let go from Florida, Logan Couture actually publicly tw- tweeted at the Sharks to bring him back yeah. to San Jose. So, I think that just coincides that he really is a player's coach and um, that know-it-all fans just might not know it all, George. They just yeah. might not. Yeah.
0: Listen, I mean, again, he,
1: he's a guy listen,
0: he does lean on the heavies a little too much. At least he did down here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and I, I could see that where, where he was leaning on some, some veteran players a little too much, Riley Sheehan for one, um, mm. but he was playing well and it was understandable. Um, but there was really nothing to gain at the time and, and same situation, in San Jose. I mean, Florida was out of the playoffs, but mm. again, they did it the year before they made a big run. And I think they were always trying to find that spark to, to do it. Again. If we did it once, we can do it again kind of mentality. And it just never happened. Um, so.
2: Oh, and George, I gotta, I gotta give it to you here. Actually. I was looking it up. He's, I actually didn't know that, uh, Bob Bumner was assistant coach, uh, with Columbus in 2010, 11. And so I, I didn't know that he wasn't a fan of the city. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. He apparently he wasn't a big fan of the city. And I think you know, some people in Columbus were like, Yeah, he just didn't like it here. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think he went back I think he went back to, to, to running his junior team if yep, I remember. he did if that's I so remember, right, Yeah, he, he went to Columbus for one year and then went back to his junior team and um yeah, word kinda got around. Yeah, he just he, he you know, he didn't like it here.
2: I, now, like, okay. I, I wonder why. Ever, well,
0: I don't think he ever told me that. I know he, yeah. I know he liked having the pool in Fort Lauderdale. I knew he liked it here, but yeah. <laughs> that that, well, was, that wasn't the problem.
2: Well, yeah, I'm sure. Then he wants to stay in San Jose too. Then, but I'm not yeah. sure if that's going to work out. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. So again, I uh, personally, me being you know 3,500 miles away, uh, yeah, I don't think you can blame a, you know a un- unless they're feeling that players are not developing, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys would know that more, you know, what management's thinking there. I mean, if you if you don't think that your 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 young kids are developing, then, then that could be a problem. Absolutely. But to just go and say, Well, we were we you know, we were, you know, however many points we got based yeah, you can't go with results
2: yeah, yeah, with, with yeah. this team. Nobody
0: thought this team was a playoff team before the season. Nobody.
2: I guess in a bigger picture, and since you bring it up, though, uh, were the players developing in Florida? Obviously, you mentioned a dependence on some veterans at times, like like Sheehan. Uh, you know, San Jose Sharks fans can talk about uh, Bob, depending on maybe Matt, Matt Nieto too much at a time when the team is out uh, of the playoffs. But in a big picture, though, did young players uh, develop under, un- under uh, Bob?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, he gave Alex Petrovic a lot of playing time. I mean, he was a young guy who's, you know, he I think he's in the Edmonton system now. Um Josh Brown obviously mm-hmm. got got some big minutes. Um so some of the young play and I, and, and again, I think Henrik Borgstrom um got good good opportunities here as a 19 year old or whatever he was, maybe it was in the wrong position, but that, you know, third line center probably isn't where you want a skilled guy like Borgstrom, but where else are you going to put him? He was at least getting a lot of playing time. So I, I think that was his best NHL season, you know, to date. So um, that's hard to say because I don't, I, I you know, the, the, the young players that the Florida Panthers had um, are no longer here. And Mm -hmm. haven't done anything anything anywhere else. So,
2: I mean, I suppose you can argue too that guys like Barkov, uh, Trocek, uh, Huberto, they were all young players too under Bob. But of course, it's hard to say how much of their development you can credit to Bobby. These are great players that will probably be good no matter what.
0: Patient period with Barkov and Huberto. Yeah, but I mean, Barkov had his best season to date. Mm-hmm. um, on, un, 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 under, uh, Bob Boogner, uh, 35 goals. He just surpassed that yesterday. Um, in 96 points, he's 11 back of that this year. So, um, you know, Jonathan Huberto is 92 points were the most he had had up until this year. And he's just blown that out of the water. But, um, you know, I mean, you look at the tops of Frank Vetrano, there's a young player, that really excelled under – yeah. So Frank Petrano mm. really played well under him and, and I think became a pretty nice little NHL player.
2: One player that – I'm just looking at the roster. I don't want to keep you on too much longer, but no. I'm just looking over – the the these couple of years of uh, Panthers one guy that stands out though that um uh is a star now and I wonder uh why it didn't work for him in Florida but maybe he just was too young at the time was uh, Jared McCann and Jared McCann played his 21 22 year old seasons in Florida and um yeah what was your perspective of that I'm just trying to figure out again you know did Bob had to have a role in that negative or positive or just sort of what happened with, with, well, he uh, got
0: traded. He mm -hmm. was part of the money dump to uh, Pittsburgh to, Mm. in order to trade the Nick Bugstad contract to Pittsburgh, uh, the, the penguins wanted Jared McCann. Mm. Um, so Jared McCann was really the, not the sweetener, but, They were like, no, we like Bukestad. Yeah, he's a very good player, but we want McCann. And they knew that the Panthers needed to dump that money. Mm. So that's – but I think McCann – McCann, yeah, I mean, 46 games with the Panthers that year. uh, I didn't think he played that much. But he was playing uh, second, third-line center. And then Borgstrom kind of took over for him there um, when he was traded to Pittsburgh. That That was a good six weeks before the trade deadline. Okay.
2: Okay, just just curious about that that guy in particular. Just uh, caught yeah, Jared my McCann, but but you got to
0: yeah. also remember Jared McCann had kind of bounced around. That's how he ended up in. Florida. Sure, he sporting.
2: was a Vancouver first round
0: pick. He or... was a Vancouver guy that yeah. they gave up on, traded him to Florida. He was starting to find his way. I really like Jared McCann's game. He was clutch goal scorer. There's a reason why
2: know. Pittsburgh wanted him. So
0: there, yeah, and why they left him exposed at the expansion <laughs> draft. I still don't that or, or traded him to Toronto to be exposed. I mean that that, that still doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, actually, since since you're on here, my very last question, in, George, and uh, not related to the sharks, but I'm sure you get asked this like every every few months, but why did Florida expose Smith and Marcha show? <laughs> uh,
0: that was a Dale Talon deal, and I'll tell you why.
2: Um,
0: when Dale Talon um had kind of had his power taken away mm-hmm. uh, after the 2015-16 season, so so the 2016 Tom Rowe is the general manager. Um, and you had two assistant GMs who were kind of running things. Um, they gave Riley Smith a five year, $25 million extension that would kick in that next year. Um, Dale Talon comes back into power, decides he doesn't want to pay Riley Smith $5 million a year. And the expansion draft is coming up. So he's got to make a choice. Who are you going to lose? And he wanted to protect his defense, his young defenseman, which doesn't look good now because nope. you know, one of them's like Alex Petrovic. Yep, one of- <laughs> the other, the other one's Mark Pizzik. Um, so he goes, all right, you can take Marchiso because I don't want to, because Marchiso has his 30 year, 30 gold season out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But Dale's like, he's one dimensional. He doesn't play any defense. He's a, he's a short little sniper guy. I don't want to pay him what he's going to get because he's going to get 5 million a year. Hey Vegas, why don't you take them both? And that's basically what happened. And then he went out and he signed if uh, Jenny Dadenoff, um, and he then he trades for Mike Hoffman the next year and pretty much replaced them. Yeah, yeah. So, the but it looked, it looked it looked bad, but that's the reasoning behind it for mm. right or for wrong. He didn't right. want to pay Riley Smith, and he didn't want to sign Marchesio to the contract that he would get. So, mm. okay. But that's okay. the long and short of it. Yeah.
1: All right, George. Well, so they didn't begin. have
0: to make a mistake and just lose one. Yeah. You know, oh, we lost two. Yeah. Wow, how did you do that? We were <laughs> lost one. No, it was, <laughs> it
1: was, Hindsight being twenty twenty, it yeah. seems it seems a little silly now, but at least there was some thought process. And, and, then, it. and
0: then you see, yeah, and then you see Riley Smith go on, and he and Marchie just had, you know, had some great years in Vegas. Yeah. And um, turns out those contracts weren't as bad as they look. Yeah,
2: but, yeah, they're reasonable uh, value contracts. So right, yeah. right. Yeah.
0: But he figured he was getting dad enough for a a better price, and they figured that, you know, Borgstrom was going to be improved, you Mm -hmm. know, so all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, well, George, thank you again for uh, joining us tonight on this. uh, I'm assuming because the Florida weather is never bad on this beautiful Wednesday night. Uh, before we you, let you you've go, you've never
0: been down here. You've never seen our uh, our, our storms coming through the Everglades.
1: Come on, no,
2: it gets no. muggy there too. Oh, it's already muggy. All righty, it's summer. You buddy. should be happy
1: with your dry heat, uh, Nick. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, I'm it. fine with that. I'm also fine <laughs> with my housing part market. So <laughs> when again, again, feel free to let the folks know uh, kind of what you got coming down the pipeline. You know, in preparation of the the playoff push that Florida is making, and of course where they can find your work. Well,
0: come on over. Uh, if you want to read about the Panthers, floridahockeynow.com. We cover cover the Panthers every day, and uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming. We're going to have a big sit down with Sasha Barkov, talking about his special season, Jonathan Huberto's special season. We're going to talk with him. We've got a couple big features on those guys, what it means to them um, to be on this team, because they've obviously been through a lot of a lot of low points with yep. the Panthers, a lot of coaches. Yeah. A lot of coaches. I mean, that's the other thing. Uh, the Panthers have rolled through them. Right. In fact, when people, DeVore was here uh, with San Jose, you know, he was joking about it was a coach's graveyard and how they were on the bus driving to the arena and every coach on his staff was pointing out where they used to live down here, <laughs> including right. Bob Bugner.
2: Dave Barr was a Florida assistant too. Right? Yeah. They were all like, yeah. oh, I lived over there. I lived over here. <laughs>
0: So yeah, the Panthers been through a lot of coaches. So we're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk to uh, Aaron Eckblad as well once he's cleared to speak to the media. So listen, Florida Hockey Now, we got a lot of stuff coming on. Follow me on Twitter at George Richards and our YouTube channel, Florida Hockey Now.
2: Oh, he is and- again the definitive uh, uh, media voice uh, for the Florida Panthers. We were missed actually. Uh, we left without asking. Uh, how are you guys taking care of Jumbo there? <laughs>
0: He seems to dig it down here, right? I mean, I don't know how he does no. it. We talk, just talked about the humidity. That was the first question. We were like, dude, how are you going to keep <laughs> that beard going? I mean, it's hot down here, man. I mean, like sticky hot. So he's kept it. I, I, he has trimmed it up, though. It's now more shaped. It's not as wild and gangly. But uh, <laughs> listen, I think he's going to play some sort of role. He doesn't play a whole lot, and he seems just fine with that. But uh, I, w- I would think these last couple of games, we'll see him in there and, and we'll see him in some playoff games. But uh, he seems to I mean, he, he listen, when, when the Panthers lost Joel Quinville, we talked a lot about Joel Quinville on this show mm-hmm. when, when uh, he had to resign. I mean, that came out of nowhere. Sure. That he was going to resign. I mean, that was like a two day thing was like, wow, he's not going to be the coach here anymore. Um Andrew Burnett has really given a lot of credit to Joe Thornton for pulling that room together, and the Panthers really not missing a beat. So he's been a fantastic addition, and you guys all know what kind of guy uh, Jumbo is, and um, they just they just love him. And he's out here at working every single day. I mean, not a complaint in the world. He just loves putting the gear on and coming out, whether it's an hour worth of a skate or if it's playing in a game. He doesn't doesn't seem to bother him.
2: All right, well, got to make sure then to get him that one game in the playoffs before the Panthers uh, raise the cup to make sure that he gets his name on it. Then,
1: yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yep, floor. You can expect a lot of uh, a lot of reinforcements coming in from the West Coast once the playoffs starts. Because and I'll be talking. He's... I'll
0: be talking to Joe as well. I'm going to be getting a one on one with him. Soon. Terrific. So we'll have awesome. a big Joe Thornton feature, and I'll, I'm sure uh, it'll be San Jose intense.
1: All right, guys. Well, make sure you guys go over to floridahockeynow.com. Make sure you check out all of George's work and make sure you give Jumbo lots of love, too, while you're at it. Again, George, thanks for jumping on with us. I'm going to let you get back to doing whatever you're doing tonight, and uh, you have a great rest of your night, okay?
0: All right, guys. Thanks a bunch. Have a good one.
2: Thanks, man.
1: And again, a big thank you to George for hopping on late night. Again, that big that time difference. I completely forgot about that because we always run our interviews at the same time, pretty much. I always forget about the time differences, and I was like, "Damn, he's on the East Coast! Like that's he's gonna be up late tonight." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, big thank you again to George. Make sure you're shooting him a follow over on Twitter. He mentioned his uh, his Twitter handle. Yeah, George Richards. Very easy. It's plural. Last name is plural. There's an S on the end there. And then, of course, um, to support Joe Thornton, Jumbo, make sure you're following him. He's going to, like he said before, he's going to have a piece coming out. He's going to be talking with Jumbo as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure every Sharks fan is going to be supporting the Florida Panthers throughout the entirety of the playoffs to let Jumbo get his cup. Like
2: there might be a few Dallas, uh, uh, you know, uh, a few uh, buying or uh, well, you'll Dallas. want
1: Pavelski versus Jumbo, right. in, the, in the Stanley Cup final, right. And then I think inevitably for me, I mean, I'm a big Pavelski guy. I got the Pavelski shirt on actually right now, the C3P Joe Star Wars shirt. But for me, I love to see either one of those guys. I probably it's go not going to hurt you first. too
2: much to see them win a cup elsewhere.
1: No, no. If anything, okay. I might get a Stanley Cup uh jersey of the team that they won on just because of how much i love them and, and how much they impacted me being a hockey fan now mm-hmm. how much they made me i mean i got jumbo punching nazim right here to my left so <laughs> <laughs> that, it's signed too it's signed right there i i, so.
2: I remember my uh, my my days of, uh, of when i was a fan uh that uh it really made me angry and upset actually to see a uh, luke robitaille uh win a stanley cup with the detroit red wings uh obviously luke robitaille a lifelong uh, king and yeah. uh that made me upset because i don't know it, it different things though uh well maybe not that different though than pavelski uh robitaille and the kings had had an acrimonious parting and yeah. part of it was because the, this was a little different the kings were just kind of cheap they just didn't didn't want to pony up for for what luke was worth at that time even what though what was his age he was older. He was uh, actually in his, uh, I think he was like 35. He wasn't that far okay. from, from Pavelski. So that part is similar. Obviously gotcha. the sharks though, the shark situation was more a cap situation. Um, yeah. Luke Robitaille went to the red wings, uh, in the non cap era. I think yeah. if there was no cap, uh, then Joe Pavelski would still be a uh, San Jose shark.
1: Right, oh, yeah. hundred percent. But yeah, I, I, think, think, I think, I think it's different because I've, I've become more of a, you you know you follow him for so many years and yeah mm-hmm. it sucks but the entire team sucks so you're actually happier for him for not mm-hmm. being here because we're so fucking bad right now oh no you're no like... but
2: no 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 it but I would say for me the difference though oh and by the way Luke did go to Detroit when he was 35 so that, that okay. I think that matches uh, Joe Buvelski That pretty much did. lines up yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh but uh the thing that I was angry and upset about wasn't at at Luke and I don't think uh, many Sharks fans are upset at Joe Thornton or Joe Veselsky for moving on as you know based on the reception that they both receive when they've come back but yeah. it was more uh, upset at the team uh for being uh, uh, cheap and 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 not being willing to 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 pony up to to keep a franchise legend like a Luke Robitaille. And yeah. obviously again with Veselsky it is a different situation it wasn't the, the sharks being cheap. It was just the salary cap and having to make choices yeah. and with, with your limited uh space. And I think most people understand that. So there's a little bit less anger for that reason, but yeah. I, I'm just curious though. Yeah. Just, just your perspective on that, because uh, for me it was bittersweet basically and more angry and, and, and sad than being happy for the player.
1: Uh, selfish, I guess in, in my way. <laughs> but, yeah. But I would say the biggest factor is the fact that, um, I understood the decision at the time. I still understand it objectively. It makes sense. Like, I don't care how great of a season or a few seasons he's had with Dallas. Um, and it's that cap. It's the yeah, cap the that cap makes world, the difference. Because right? yeah. Yeah. If, the, if there was no cap and they let him walk, I'd be fucking pissed, Shang. I would mm. be pissed. I would be mad at the Sharks yeah, for yeah, not pulling me up. Sense. But the Sharks have always paid um, when possible, it seems, whether it be a bridge deal or a ridiculous long-term deal. And I'm not going to use hindsight to be mad at the sharks for making a business. No, decision. no, no. So, yeah. I
2: mean, I think one thing uh, that I can't think of an example off the top of my head, I'm sure somebody can fill that in, but I can't think of an example of, of a Doug or hustle or whatever, not you're just being cheap, basically, you know, yeah. uh, it, you know, they've, they've, they've always spent uh, pretty much to the cap and always done their best to, 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 to put the best possible team out there, even if it hasn't worked out.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people respected a lot about Dylan Doug. You know, he Mm -hmm. always went out and tried to do his best to do what's best for the team, whether it be trading people for people or giving those extensions out to guys that have deserved it and that might bite him in the ass later. Oh, I, I have my
2: my recall though. Uh, I just wanted to, to to throw this out there. What I remember about Luke Robitaille so Robitaille with the Kings in two uh, thousand two two thousand and one as a thirty four year old, he scored thirty seven goals. Uh, he was actually uh, named a second team All Star. That's how good a season he had. And this shit. is in a clutch and grab NHL. So scoring thirty seven goals is actually a real achievement uh, back then. Yeah. I mean, still is now, but uh, back then it was an even even more so of an achievement. And the Kings offered him a pay cut. <laughs> not even the same salary, but I, I think that was the story, and I think that's why uh, my I had no uh, uh, I, I wasn't angry at Luke at all. Uh, yeah. was, everything no, was directed at the organization for uh, for, for 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 disrespecting uh, a, a, a guy like that who's coming off such a great season, and again, no cap. So 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 there was not 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 that kind of uh artificial ceiling on on how much the Kings could have spent.
1: Yeah, well, you just. Uh... Reignited the flame of hatred for uh, the L.A. Kings organization from Sharks fans. Uh, that's uh, that's easy, right? This. On this podcast, right? So. Oh yeah, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us on this week's episode. Bit of a long one, but always a banger. I think that could be our motto, the motto for the podcast. They're a bit they're a bit long, but always they're a, always a banger. A B so, like, always a
2: banger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always. A banger. Or A B always banging. <laughs> yeah. That should be a Barabanov's nickname.
1: So. <laughs> Seriously, that guy's always. Well, it wasn't.
2: That. A, it wasn't that what Antonio Brown said? Right. Uh. Uh. Business is booming. So. Yeah. Always business booming, is booming. Right?
1: Yep. Yep. Business is booming. All right. If you want to follow the podcast, go ahead and follow us at SJ Follow the network at hockeypodnet. You can follow myself and my ridiculous takes at nickfloor underscore, and you can follow Shang at Shang underscore Pang. And at SJ Hockey now and NBC, is it Bay Area? NBC Sharks. NBC Sharks. Yeah, so that's what you look up. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah,
2: no. The 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 website I think is NBC Sports Bay Area, but then the the TV channel, the network is NBC Sports California. So yeah.
1: One of these days, we're gonna give Shang a link tree, and he'll just put it all out there. So it'll be good to go. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We appreciate it. We're down to the last home stretch. So make sure you guys all stay safe and, of course, stay hydrated.